Hey everyone, this is Jake Milwe. I want to welcome you to the sermon podcast for Sweetwater Christian Church. We are glad that you are interested in joining us as we follow Christ. If you would ever like to support our ministry financially or just learn more about us, head on over to sweetwaterchristian.org. Thanks and God bless. Well, it's so good to be with you guys again. I always enjoy uh, being with you. And so thank you for letting me be here again to conclude our little series on the book of Habakkuk, which I think, as I said at the beginning, is an odd book. It's a book that you probably haven't heard preached a whole lot, if ever. Uh, It's just tiny and it's obscure and it gets kind of just thrown in with all the prophets. And so we don't really know what to do with Habakkuk sometimes. But here we are. We've made it through. We're in chapter three. That's, That's it. That's all we have to get through is three chapters and we've done it. So give me about 30 minutes and you can now say that you've studied Habakkuk. So praise God for that. Uh, let me pray for us, and then we will we'll get, we'll get going this morning. So here we go. Lord, thank you for uh, just the fact that we can gather together uh, to worship you and to be encouraged by uh, the fellowship of the believers. Holy Spirit, would you speak to us through the scriptures this morning? Would you guide our minds and our hearts so that uh, at the end of this, we can know more about you and therefore know more about ourselves and how we should conduct ourselves in this world as citizens of your kingdom. God, we love you and we trust you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So let's recap real quickly. I got some new faces in here, so I don't know if you know anything about Habakkuk or not. So I'm going to tell you real quick so that we're not all left in the dark when we get to chapter three. Chapter one of Habakkuk, Habakkuk, it just starts really bad and it doesn't get better for a while. So chapter one, Habakkuk says, God, um, the people in your community, the people in Israel and in the southern kingdom, these few little tiny tribes, um, they're not doing what they're supposed to do. So Habakkuk starts off not even looking at the rest of the world, not even looking at nations that aren't supposed to know God, but he looks at inside of Israel and says, God, your people are acting in such abominable ways. He uses this language. He says, um, the law is actually like paralyzed. The law cannot do what the law is supposed to do because your people, God, are acting so horribly. So Habakkuk says, and God, you've told us time after time that you're going to do something when it gets like this, so would you do something? Which that's a dangerous prayer to pray if you think about it, right? You're like, wait a second, he's asking God to act in God's holy kind of righteousness against potentially or to correct God's people. Of one, Habakkuk is one of them. And, he's, and, and so God says, yes, I will answer your prayer, sweetest Habakkuk. He goes, um, I'm going to send the Babylonians. And they're evil and they're vile and they're horrible and they will murder your people. They'll take them into captivity. They'll destroy your land. You no longer will have any national identity, really. That's my solution to the problem. And Habakkuk goes, what? He goes, maybe, maybe I didn't hear you right, God. Your solution to our, the evil within us and the problems within us is to send a nation that's bigger and badder and has more problems and is more evil and doesn't even remotely proclaim to know you to overpower us. That's your solution. And God says, yep, that's chapter one. Chapter two doesn't get much better. Chapter two uh, is, is God saying just how bad the Babylonians really are. And you're like, this, this is just not what I was hoping for. But here's kind of the undergirding of chapter two, the undergirding promise that kind of just, the, the river that runs through chapter two is God will not allow this to endure forever. 
The evil that the Babylonians are about to just unleash around them, the evil within Israel, the evil within God's own people is not going to be allowed to endure forever. That's Habakkuk chapter two. It's dark, but there's this kind of undercurrent of hope where God's saying, but I'm going to reckon with it. Habakkuk chapter three, really, you could take Habakkuk chapter three, cut it out of your Bible, and then just slap it in the book of Psalms, and it would be totally fine. It would make complete sense. Chapter three of Habakkuk is a psalm. It is a prayer. It is a song. It is a lament. It is, a, it is worship. It is all of those things that we typically find in the book of Psalms. So that's what we're coming to. Finally, Habakkuk has heard God's plan. And chapter three is really Habakkuk trying to make peace with it. It's Habakkuk's honest kind of saying, God, okay, I hear you, but can you please be merciful still? And then at the end, you get this beautiful resolution where Habakkuk has come to terms with it and realizes that he knows God's character, he knows the history of God, and he knows God's promises well enough that he can be at peace with this. So let's start in chapter three. Chapter, the, ver, the first verse is just saying, hey, this is a prayer of Habakkuk the prophet. It's a unique type of song that they would sing. Verse two says this, it says, Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds. Repeat them in our day. In our time, make them known. In your wrath, remember mercy. Verse two really could be just this beautiful little summation, like put a bow on it, of Habakkuk. It really is kind of this summation. He says, God, I've heard of what you've done in the past. I know the story of you. I know things about you. I, I know you because I've been having this conversation back and forth with you. And I'm amazed at what you've done, God. Habakkuk is like, God, you alone have been able to do the things that you've done. And he says, can you please just do them again? <laughs> He's like, can you please repeat all of those awesome, great things that you did? Can you do them in my day? I'd like to see them with my own eyes and not just read about them in books. He goes, in my time, in our time, make them known. And he, then he ends and he says, God, in your wrath, in your holy judgment that's going to get unle unleashed on these nations that refuse to know you, would you please remember mercy? And Habakkuk knows he can pray that because our God is a merciful God. And so Habakkuk, again, we find him grounding his prayers in what he knows to be true about God. Habakkuk isn't just grasping at straws saying, I think, I feel that God's kind of a little bit like this and God is, maybe God's like this and I'm gonna grab some of this out of my back pocket because I really wish that God would act like this here. Habakkuk says, no. He says, I'm gonna root how I pray and how I think about God based on how, on how God has been revealed throughout time to his people. So he's able to pray things like, God, would you please, please, please remember your mercy? Because he knows about it. The rest of this chapter, at least a good bit of it, is gonna sound really strange I'm going to read a lot of weird names, and you're going to be like, oh my gosh, I don't know what any of that means. And it's okay, because I'm going to tell you what it means. Habakkuk is, through words that aren't really familiar to us, places, names, that kind of stuff, he is retelling the Exodus story. So think back with me to the book of Exodus. God's people have been in bondage, in slavery in Egypt for 400 years. They cry out to God, and God delivers them, right? From, from their oppressor. This is kind of the narrative in which we can really situate ourselves in almost the entire Bible and of God rescuing God's people from the oppressive systems of sin and death. And Habakkuk says this in verse three. Remember, he's retelling the Exodus story. He says, God came from Timon, the Holy One from Mount Paran. His glory covered the heavens and his praise filled the earth. His splendor was like the sunrise. Rays flashed from his hands where his power was hidden. 
Plague went before him. Pestilence followed his steps. Remember the plagues in Egypt? He stood and shook the earth. He looked and made the nations tremble. The ancient mountains crumbled and the age-old hills collapsed, but he marches on forever. I saw the tents of Cushion in distress, the dwellings of Midian in anguish. Were you angry with the rivers, Lord? Was your wrath against the streams? Did you rage against the seas when you rode your horses and your chariots to victory? You uncovered your bow and you called many for many arrows. You split the earth with rivers. The mountains saw you and writhed. Torrents of water swept by. The, depth, the deeps roared and they lifted their waves on high. The sun and moon stood still in the heavens. At the glint of your flying arrows, at the lightning of your flashing spear, in wrath, You strode through the earth, and in anger you threshed the nations. You came out to deliver your people, to save your anointed one. You crushed the leader of the land of wickedness, and you stripped him from head to foot. With his own spear, you pierced his head. With his arrows, you st- you, with, his, with his warriors stormed out to scatter us, gloating as though they're about to devour us, the wretched who were in hiding. You trampled the sea with your horses, churning the great waters. Think about the crossing of the Red Sea when the Egyptian army was destroyed. This is Habakkuk going, okay, God, I expect you to actually do what you said you're gonna do. <laughs> because I've seen you do it before. I've seen you take your people from a really dark place where we're just being oppressed and overtaken by evil, the nations around us. I've seen you and I've heard of you rescuing people before. So God, let me remind you of what that looked like in case you forgot through my song to you of praise, but also kind of of hoping that you're gonna do this again. And let me just kind of tell of your renown and your greatness and your goodness towards your people where you did things like, you caused the earth itself to like act on their behalf. You split seas, you split rivers, you overtook the enemy nations, you sent plagues before us and took care of all these things. And Habakkuk is saying, God, would you please do that again at some point? Again, this is Habakkuk beginning to kind of reckon with and come to terms with what God has said God is going to do, which again is not an easy message. It's not a, it's not a cute, like seeker-friendly message. It doesn't make people comfortable. It doesn't make people feel like, yay. It's really not that great. And Habakkuk is trying to figure out, okay, how do I reckon when, how do I just kind of deal with my my views of God and what I think about God when this just isn't making sense? And that is what we come to over and over again if we're honest with our own lives. I said it at the beginning when we started Habakkuk, is sometimes what is most shocking to us in our lives is when God doesn't act according to the box that we want to put God in. And God doesn't quite fit the narrative and the story that we've told ourselves about God, and God just kind of breaks out of that, and we're like, oh man, this is, oh, this is not good. This, I thought I had a handle on this, but now I don't. God's kind of, God's gone rogue is what it feels like sometimes, and God's like, I've always been like this. I've always been willing to kind of let things happen and intervene and save my people. And this is just the story I've been telling over and over and over again is one of rescue and renewal and hope. And yes, indeed, mercy. Habakkuk eventually gets to that point in verse 16 where he's, this is how, verses, verses 16 and 17, or just 16, is Habakkuk explaining how he's felt through the process. And I feel like we can relate. He says this, he goes, I heard, and what he's saying he heard is, when I heard what God was gonna do, 
So with Babylon coming in and stuff, he goes, my heart pounded, my lips quivered at the sound, decay crept into my bones, and my legs trembled. And we're like, yeah, I feel that. <laughs> that's, that's how it felt. That's how this story has been going. This is not, this is bad news bears. Like there hasn't been a resolution yet. And so it does feel like decay is just kind of creeping in on all sides, and this is going from bad to worse, and we're not seeing the light of day yet. And Habakkuk is like, I'm, I'm like literally shaking as I'm hearing this story of what God is going to do. And then if we stop right there, if we stop just in the middle of that verse in Habakkuk, Habakkuk is a really dark book. There's a little bit of hope that God is going to eventually deal with evil and God is eventually going to deal with these, these nations and these states that just continue to oppress God's people and, and oppress the kingdom of God and try to rise up against it. But it's really kind of still bleak. There's not much of a hope. There's not much of a yay yet. And then you get to the second half of verse 16 through the next few verses and you begin to be like, it's like a long drink of water on a long hike. Because Habakkuk says this, he says, yet I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. And then he says this, he says, though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, Though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. When you work in ministry, um, you go to a lot of weddings. I know we just had a wedding over here. Congratulations. Um, I'm sure this is not true of y'all's wedding. I'm sure it was beautiful and wonderful. But weddings... Weddings get really boring when you go to as many of them as I do, okay? They're all the same. You, I can quote you, like, this is what they're going to do next. Get ready for it. Here, here it comes. You just begin, because this is how we do it. This is our culture. This is our tradition, right? But once you go to so many weddings, it gets boring, okay? Like, really boring. And then you're just hoping the cake is worth it. And if it's not, the evening was wasted. That's what it feels like sometimes, not really, you know, blessings to the happy couple, but please, please have a decent cake. I'm, again, I'm sure y'all's, y'all's was wonderful. Um, but I went to a wedding one time, and again, you begin to be like, oh my gosh, another wedding, here we go. Again, happy, joyous, yay. But you, they become very kind of, we, we all do the same things. And I went to a wedding one time, and the couple that was getting married, they were, eccentric is not the right word. They were, um, they were just a little different. They were kind of a little more free. It was one of those weddings you go to, and you're like, is everyone going to show up? Like, are they, this wedding is going to start late. Like, everyone knew it. It was just one of those things. They're just not those type of people. And so we all sit down, and, and we're starting the ceremony, and we're, you know, every, they're up there. We got the rings exchanged. We got everything done. And then, and then the officiant uh, who, who was a, a local pastor, uh, he, he began to the part of the service where they do the little homily thing, you know, the little tiny sermon that you hope is only like four minutes long because you're hungry. And, and, I was, and, and you kind of begin to know the general types of passages people preach at weddings and things like that. Uh, but he preached from Habakkuk 3. And this is what he read. And I want you to picture, picture this. There's a covenantal ceremony happening. This is the for better or for worse, okay? That's, that's what's happening here. And he read this. He says, though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, 
Though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet we will rejoice in the Lord and we will be joyful in God our Savior. And everyone was weeping. We were weeping in the audience, just going, oh my gosh, that's it. That's it right there. This is the for better or for worse. And But he read it and we're just like, yes. Though this entire enterprise that we have set up is falling apart in front of us, our eye, we're, we cannot possibly see more calamity than we are seeing. Our nation has crumbled. Our crops are not growing. We don't have any way to trade or do commerce. Our entire system of life is just in, in tatters. Yet we will rejoice in the Lord and we will be joyful in God our Savior. This is the for better or for worse part of the story. Where Habakkuk is able to finally come to peace with the fact that it's going to not be good for a long time. It's going to be really messy. It's going to be hard. It's going to be painful. It's going to be lots, there's going to be lots of questions asked. And Habakkuk says, even though these things happen, we will rejoice. Why? Because verse 19 tells us that the sovereign Lord is our strength. God is not asking God's people to pull themselves up by their bootstraps and just muscle through. God is saying, no, you can actually root your hope and your plans for the future and your your thoughts on this world. You can actually root that in me, in the sovereign Lord. And that is what will give you hope. You trying to kind of muscle your way through just a really difficult or dark season, or you trying to kind of just make manufacture like human amounts of joy for yourself is eventually just going to fall. It's going to stop working. But if your hope and if your joy is actually in the sovereign Lord, Habakkuk begins to realize we're going to be okay. We're going to be okay. Because the sovereign Lord is our strength. And absolutely, absolutely, please hear me. There are times for weeping. There are times for anger. There are times for frustration. There are times for just just grief to just kind of explode out of us. And we should deal with those things. We should let that happen. We're human. Human emotion is not a problem. But here's here's the reality of that. Even that, even our pain, even our just... Our, our health issues, our mental health issues, our, our questions, our doubts, all of that stuff, we can bring before God and say the sovereign Lord is our strength. Again, this is the for better or for worse, and Habakkuk is really the for worse part. When all of this is crumbling around, even just as we watch, Habakkuk says, we can be joyful. <laughs> and this is so counterintuitive to us because what we want to do when things begin to fall apart is we just want to grasp at it and fix it. And we want to try to like put it back together. And if our, something like within our lives or without our lives, we just try to fix, 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 fix. And sometimes God is saying, just relax, relax. I will be your strength. You don't have to manufacture your own because you're going to burn out really quickly if you try to do that. I will be your strength. Even though there's nothing in the bank account, even though there's nothing on the horizon that you're hopeful for, even though the kids are just crazy, even though life is not what you thought it was going to be, even though God is maybe disappointing you a little bit, whatever it may be, 
Habakkuk tells us that even in those things, we can rejoice and be joyful, not because we're manufacturing it for ourselves, not because we just feel like we have to put on a happy face, no, because the sovereign Lord is our strength. And he will enable us to do these things. God is not asking you to manufacture things on your own. He knows that you can't, and he knows if you do try, maybe you'll get by for a little while, but eventually it's either going to be false hope or it's going to burn you out. So God doesn't even ask you to do that. God just says, here, I'm right here. The passage uh, that, <laughs> so <laughs> Isaiah 55 was, was not what was read for earlier today. I don't know what happened with, with the scripture reading earlier today. But um, let me read Isaiah 55. <laughs> it's all, all, is, all is fine. We'll figure it out. Uh, Isaiah 55 uh, says this, and it really, it really ties in and kind of just wraps up in nicer words what we've been talking about or what, better than what I've been saying. Isaiah 55 verse 8, God is speaking and he says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for those who are hungry, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace and the mountains and hills will burst into song before you and all the trees of the field will clap their hands and instead of the thornbrush will grow the juniper and instead of the briars, the myrtle will grow. This will be for the Lord's renown, for an everlasting sign that will endure forever. Isaiah, much like Habakkuk, realizes that there is a season, there is a time when it feels like the briars and the thorns and the just death and decay around us are all that we see. But God comes to Isaiah and says, you remember, think about, think about the rain and the snow, Isaiah. He says, you know how they come down and they make the ground wet and that's their purpose. And then life flourishes out of that and healing comes. God says, that's what it's like when I speak. That's what it's like when I speak. When God opens his mouth and when we read the scriptures and we search for, for what God would have us do, God says that he sends out his words like the rain or the dew or the snow to heal and just help us. And it never returns void. It always accomplishes that for which it goes forth. And it says that we will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. And the landscape around us that was once just dry and just brittle and cracked and gross is going to explode with life. That's what it's like when God's word is spoken to us. That's what it's like when God teaches us and reveals things to us. Even though it looks like there's no cattle in the stall and that the crops have failed and there's just briars and thorns everywhere, God says that his word is still going out and it will accomplish the purpose for which it goes forth. Therefore, therefore, not because of what we can do, not because we're strong enough, not because we just grit our teeth and push through, but because of who God is, we can rejoice and be joyful. Let's pray. God, thank you for the fact that you continue to speak. Just as Habakkuk was asking you questions and just imploring you to respond, God, you're faithful to still speak to us when we do the same.
So God, would you give us maybe a boldness to just approach you in prayer? Trusting God in the fact that you are sovereign and that you are just, but God, ultimately also that you just love us. (laughs) God, that you are so full of love and so full of mercy and tenderness towards us that you continue to speak to us and you desire to be known. So God, would you just put that desire even further inside of our hearts so that we can continue to strive to know you and to seek you where you may be found. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.